0: You're listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, and my name is Rog. This show is brought to you by Curious Creatures. We run a variety of sexuality workshops in Australia. Please bear in mind that not all conversations will be suitable for younger people. Also bear in mind that while we can discuss general concepts, you're the only person that is an expert on being you, so you can't take this as personal advice. If you've got questions you'd like us to answer, or you want to find out more about us, look us up at CuriousCreatures.biz. And so to today's question, which is, what do you wish you were told at the start of your sex journey? Uh, With me to chat about this is Dr. Linda Kirkman, who I've chosen, because uh, I like your mind, Linda, and I like the way you talk about these concepts. Um, Linda's a uh, coach and a counsellor. More about that at the end of the show. So yeah, welcome back Linda. Um, what do you wish you were told at the start of your sex journey?
1: Thanks Rog, lovely to be here. I want to start by saying what I was told, and I, I, there, there was a family culture about my family, about the hot blood of the Kirkman, so there was there was this kind of almost pride in the sexuality of the people of of, of the Kirkman family. Uh, I never unpicked that, but that's that's how it was. And my and my father, who was a GP, telling me when you're 18, you can do what you like, which was kind of sexual permission. My mother didn't really approve, but that was that was her problem, mm. not mine. And the other message that I got from my father was um, descriptions of the posters that he'd seen as a. In, in the mess halls when he was a fighter pilot in World War II, Vino, Venus, VD. So warnings about uh, wow. the importance of, of the protecting yourself from STIs. He wasn't so much telling, perpetuating the, the concept that it was, you know, she may look clean, but she's probably not, that kind of slut-shaming kind of approach. It was just more be conscious that this is, these, these, uh, these things can go together. So I took on the Mm. the safe sex message quite early and the permission message. What I wished I'd been told, and they they were fine messages, and just just for the record, I think I waited till like 17 and 11 months, so I wasn't that bad. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, (laughs) But um, uh, not that it was bad, but, you know, that was (laughs) what worked out for me. But um, uh, what I wished I'd been told was – really practical communication skills some broader mm. understandings about what is sex that it's not just this whole heteronormative penetration focused model really yeah. sort of gendered model that that gender is not binary and that and kind of permission to ex good communication skills and permission to explore sensuality and intimacy in ways that didn't include the default uh, what I call the linear model of sexuality, with with where it starts mm, with a bit of yeah. kissing and touching erogenous zones, and then penetration, and then someone comes and it's all over.
0: That yeah, sort right. of so, very, yeah. yeah.
1: That's that's what I wished I'd been
0: told. It's, it's it's both a linear path and it's kind of singular. It, it doesn't really allow for a whole lot of other diversity, no, interesting things, no. and different ways of going about stuff. And you
1: know. I mean it has its place, but it can be totally boring.
0: God yeah, we're not we're not anti anyway.
1: Yeah. yeah. Anyway. It has its place. But yeah, that's there's so yeah. much more. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And gracious, wouldn't that have been nice if you'd been given that information about the subtleties and the communication and so forth?
1: And if there was a general yeah, it would. And if there was a more general attitude that that sex and intimacy and sensuality and, and that intimate sharing can doesn't if that doesn't have to have that that, that model um that's the default model that would be just so liberating for so many people and i think would make a big difference to people's overall well-being would probably assist with um you can look at the the unplanned pregnancy issue which is a thing for some people some age groups all of that
0: yes 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 um what about you uh, yeah um thanks um so look, I was given some very rudimentary information uh, uh, in uh, high school at I think about age 15, which I, as I recall, was around just sort of some pregnancy stuff, how pregnancy works. Um, and that was kind of about it. Um, I guess the irony for me is that that was about two years too late. <laughs> um, so I, I don't, I'd like a better phrase than lost. Mm, I, um yeah. Exchanged my virginity, um, <laughs> at about age 13. Um, so yeah, look, in the absence of information, um, I just, uh, picked up whatever, quote, information, unquote, I could get from friends in the schoolyard and porn. And, um, it, it's funny with, with friends at that age, um, um, you've really got no idea. It's just the uninformed leading the uninformed. And I guess the biggest problem I had with the porn I was watching, me, what the the, the porn I was watching, although I didn't realise it at the time, was that I I was not informed enough to pick the difference between porn, sort of for entertainment, where it was sort of back in the seventies and the eighties, um, the producers were pitching their stories at what they thought their consumers wanted, and that's very different to. Um, in information videos, but I, I didn't have the concept that the two were separate things. Um, and I also didn't have the concept that there's so much diversity around. So what one person likes, uh, another won't, or even what one person likes, they won't like five minutes later. Mm. So I can kind of almost it's it's a little embarrassing to think back uh, I can kind of remember almost the expressions on my partners in in my 20s where I'd be busting some move that I'd seen on porn and and they'd be looking back at me as if to go what are you doing um yeah so that was um yeah that was that was an interesting sobering not enjoyable kind of a journey into sex education um, which I, I guess brings me to what I wish I had been told. Um, I, get, I guess for me, uh, yeah, the most important thing is that you can talk about sex. Like somewhere through the sex that I picked up, the sex education that I picked up, I had this sense that you just can't talk about sex. And now for me, uh, communication is just by far the most important number one Thing, mm-hmm. uh, there is no such thing as a number one sex move. I think the very first episode of Curious Conversations about Sex we spoke about what's your number one sex move, mm-hmm. and for me there is no number one sex move. But good communication skills works on everyone all the time. Not
1: always, um, always comfortable. I mean, I think it's, no, it's no, no, always comfortable. Be, it's good to be. I mean, it's imp- with any kind of communication, people will reflect back the emotion that you project. And so like, so, like, uh, so, if you're confident, that gives the other person permission to be confident. But it's really important not, not everybody necessarily will bring comfort and confidence to that conversation. So being able to model it and, and, and just be calm and at ease can help other people be calm and at ease
0: yes 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 and uh i know that sometimes when i'm when i'm teaching sex education these days which for me again is mostly about communication yep. um people sometimes have a sense of oh but i don't like it i feel awkward i feel clunky about communicating in sex and it is just like any other skill uh if you've basically never tried it and never practiced it then chances are no you're not mm. good at it mm. um but if you want to get good at something then yeah you need to apply mm. put in some miles
1: and and i feel sit with the discomfort, acknowledge it, feel it, and then work through it. Just practice and try and get and get skilled. And remember that there were there was a time when you couldn't walk or talk either, but you you stumbled through and made mistakes and fell over and got better. So it's just yeah. like any other life skill. Yeah, I want to I want to pick up on a couple of things you said earlier, if I may. Yeah, okay. uh, you talked about learning from your friends in, at school, and what's really interesting that the research shows that relates the research is specifically about quite young kids in in kinder and prep but rather than early high school and i but um, i don't know so i don't know if it, i can't guarantee it it translates to 12 or 13 year olds but kids kids will bring information to 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 the playground and to each other and some yeah. of it will be accurate and some of it will be wildly inaccurate but what they tend to believe is what the person who is the social leader says so the popular person the mm-hmm. most socially confident in the group is the one whose viewpoint wins out and that's so that's oh, really interesting yeah. which leads yeah. me to the second thing i wanted to respond to in in relation to your use of 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 porn i mean media literacy is so important because 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 i mean yeah. i when i was learning about sex and sexuality in the earlier days there was no internet it was all about books and newspapers and there were some there were some great things around then but now there's there's so much fabulous stuff online as well as a whole lot of crap online and yes. and the and building those media literacy skills is really important for around sex and sexuality as everything else and and this i, I get really frustrated with the the trope that oh you know social media is bad and online stuff's bad and porn's bad all this negativity rather than going hey there's good stuff there and there's stuff to avoid and part of what what's really important is building the skill to identify what's what's good and what's not and, and and having getting your own filter happening
0: Oh, so great. And just, again, oh, we, need, we need thorough, com- complete education around sex um, of younger ages. It's just, it's just so obvious, people. <laughs> I, I used to, for, for quite a few
1: years, I was teaching the first year Bachelor of Education students. Uh, and they, I, it was my honour and privilege to give them the one lecture that they would get on sex and sexuality and teaching sex ed in their entire four years.
0: Wow, pressure unless, shot, Linda.
1: Unless they did an elective. <laughs> There is that proviso. Some of them didn't elect yeah. it. But that, yeah. you know, the, what, yeah, a real pressure, yeah. I, I am mm-hmm. proud to say that I saw somebody recently who'd attended that lecture five years ago and said, oh, I remember it, and it's influenced how I talk to my, relate to my daughter. So I think I, it was a good lecture, but, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, The people who are teaching it aren't taught it in the first place. That's the point I'm trying to make, that one lecture is okay. not enough. Okay,
0: yeah. Wow. Well, At yeah. least they got yep, it. Yep. That
1: subject's been cancelled. Yep. They don't get that anymore.
0: Okay. Um, so yeah, I've got have got a few more things I can think of that I that I wish I'd been taught. Um, a a um, couple here that have got a gendered element to them, I guess. Um, I really wish that I had been taught that I could say no. Uh, mm-hmm. So as someone that's kind of uh, like has a cock or is male presenting or whatever our language is around that. Um, i most of the educational communication i got was just around how dangerous my sexuality was to others and um some training in being attentive to other person's um consent although uh, which is superb of course and that needs to be there but what was missed in that conversation was uh, that I could say no. And so when I look back at my first sort of decade, decade and a half, um, if there was sex made available, there was just – I just had the default assumption that I would say yes to it. And when I look back at some of those situations, um, there's no question in my mind now that that was non-consensual sex. That was sex that I didn't want to have. So, yeah, I, I really wish that I had mm. been taught no – de that. I really wish that all people were um, more firmly given the information that, you know, the skills around checking in with your body, uh, checking in with circumstances, being aware of the risks of being uh, something other than sober in relation to sex, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. Um, So, yeah, there's a couple of lessons I would have liked. And then just um, another two were that uh, I wish I'd been told that, If I was having problems with my body, and in particular how my body, quote, performs in sex, then it's probably not so much a body issue, particularly at a younger age. It's probably more to do with a relationship or communication problem. And the last thing I wish I'd been taught, or at least the last thing that jumps to mind, is um, something to do with intimacy with other men. Uh, I wish I'd been taught that because there's so much homophobia in our mm. culture, uh, one I, I just assumed that I was going to be hetero. Um, the reality is um, I had absolutely no idea in my younger years where I sat on that grid. I didn't have the luxury of looking into that um, because there's just so much homophobia everywhere. Um yeah, so I, I really wish that, wish that that particular message uh, wasn't there. So yeah,
1: which is the same sort of message that that the older people, because uh, we, we talked about we have talked about sex and aging in another podcast, that older people are just also having that realization that the messages that they had um, about what kind of relationship was the one that they should have. is the same sort of thing. It's about taking the you, yes. you get swept up in these in the general expectations rather than. Act, getting getting supported whether it's through a workshop or through active education at school or just life role models wherever they might happen to be supported to yes. think who am i what is it that i want what is it that works for me what doesn't work for me and then have the skills to put that into practice
0: yeah. yeah, and I think it takes ages to undo uh, all of the ideas and conditioning we have around uh, what sex is meant to look like generally, what sex is meant to look like for our gender or whatever. Mm. Um, it takes ages to undo that and work out where you actually see it on that whole wibbly wobbly, multi-dimensional spectrum that is gender and sexuality.
1: Yes, and it's so it's and it's so unhealthy for people socialized as male. To be, to have that, you mustn't, you, must, you can't embrace or hug your friend, or you can't be emotional or express vulnerability and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And that, that you have to be up for it all the time. If you're a bloke, of course you want it, and saying no—that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's really—it's uh, not helpful. Not helpful.
0: It's it's not helpful, and it just leads to a situation where, uh, because of uh, their lived experiences, uh, guys often don't have a great understanding around consent, and it's because they don't have that concept as as it relates to them. It's, it's it's, it's very abstract. Mm. They're, they're, they're used to having their own boundaries overridden there. And then, yeah, because of the lack of intimacy with other people, we wonder why men associated intimacy. Um, yeah. I'm going to, put that in, <laughs> going to put that in the caveat. I don't <laughs> think that men associated intimacy, but that is a general uh, sense that's kind of out there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, anything else, Linda, I before guess, uh, we in, finish in, up? Intimacy, we we'll uh, intimacy is
1: being open and honest and connecting and making friends. Isn't, or it doesn't have to be around sexual necessarily. It's just intimacy that can just be an intellectual, uh, loving connection with someone that's not about sexuality. It's it's something yeah. you can learn and cultivate. But it's yeah. but there is the. Uh, you, there, I guess it's again about permission to be allowed to learn and cultivate that and build that skill, which is why things like this podcast, things like the workshops and events that you run, are, are, and and the kind of education I do. Uh, really, we are making a positive difference in the world. We are, well, that's what we're setting out to do, and I think that's it's having an effect. Just a yeah. bit small, it needs needs to be so, more of it.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think we're uh, we're players in a um in a in a march, much wider movement, and I do believe that the paradigm is shifting. Amazing. And I think and I look at some of the uh, shall we respectfully say younger people around me these days, and I feel like they are leaps and bounds ahead of where my generation was at at the same age. Mm. Mm. All right. Thanks so much, Linda, for uh, uh, hanging out with me and answering the question of uh, what do you wish you were told at the start of your sex journey?
1: My pleasure, Rog. Thanks for inviting me.
0: All right. Wonderful. Um, I would like to hear a little more about you, Linda. Um, Perhaps you could tell us, uh, particularly in relation, I guess, to uh, counselling and your uh, sex therapy work, um, uh, what you do and who your ideal are and where they can find you.
1: Uh, I'm... A registered counsellor, sex therapist, a member of the Society of Australian Sexologists. I have a PhD in in old, older baby boomers and sex. I have a master's degree in young people and sexuality and sexual health. So I've got a, a, a broad range of experience. I'm really open to. I'm, I'm non-judgmental. I'm not fussed if you're, in, if you, how many partners you have or what kind of practices you're into. And I use a take a mindfulness approach and strength, build on people's strengths kind of approach. I'm a, i am work in Central Victoria. I live in Bendigo in Australia. I also uh, see people in Melbourne and, as you say, on Skype.
0: Great. So the website is linda kirkman dot org. Correct. Wonderful. Thank you so much for the work you do in the world, Linda, and thanks for sharing your advice on the show today. So, friends, you've been listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, brought to you by Curious Creatures, and uh, go well and enjoy yourself. friends, Rog here again. If you're in Sydney or Melbourne and you like the sound of what we've been talking about in this episode, uh, in, in particular all the stuff around communication skills, um, a workshop you might be interested is called uh, Fun Little Sex Games and it's basically a series of uh, pretty sweet little activities uh, that allow you to uh, pick up a lot of these lessons on the fly and uh, learn or kind of relearn about yourself and a partner uh, as you go. Uh, If you're in Melbourne on uh, August the 1st, uh, that's the version of this for singles where um, people that identify as men are paired with people that identify as women. Uh, And then also on September the 23rd is a version for couples, meaning you only do exercises with the person you arrive with. And then if you're on uh, Sydney, we're delighted to be bringing our workshops to you um, on September the 16th. And that is also the couples version of this workshop. So check us out at CuriousCreatures.biz